coming to do today. Father, right now, we just ask that you bless the man of God to get ready to bring forth the word that's coming from you, Father. We know it's coming from you because it's going to line up with your word because it's going to be pointed out that it's in your word. Father, right now, we're praying for all those, Father, who are standing in this session for Haiti, Father, for North Carolina, Father, for Florida, for all these places that's been hit by hurricanes, earthquakes, all the things that you said in your word. Jesus, Jesus prophesied this, Father. He said, we're going to hear about wars, check mark, rumors of war, check mark right here in our own United States. We see rumors of war. Father, we see pestilence, we see disease. We see earthquakes, we see hurricanes, we see fires. Father, all this stuff is going on around us each and every day. But Father, we're so just focused on our lives and what's going on in our lives that we don't see the big picture. But that's why your word is so important, Father, because your word shows us through prophecy, Father, that these things are coming. We're closer to the end than we are the beginning, Father, and sometimes we fail to real, we don't, we fail to not realize that and understand it, Father. But your word said there is a time coming when your son is coming back. Right now, we're doing our part by praying, Father. Comfort these people. Father, allow them to know and allow us to show love to them by giving them things. We're giving money, Father, but it's not about the money. It's just showing that we love other people. And if we can give up our money, Father, we know we can show love. Because we love our money more than people sometimes. And we're just happy, Father, that you allow us to do this. So open up the hearts of all the people who are hearing me right now. Open up their pocketbooks and send out a blessing to these people in Haiti, Father. That they know that we're still standing with them. Father, right now there's some in our own midst, Father, that's still dealing with the coronavirus. Father, we had those who recovered. And now all they're doing is just waiting out that time period that the government has said we have to wait before they can go back out in the society. So Father, right now we just want to thank you for the healing, for Greg and his family. For the Randall family, Father, for Cynthia's brother, for the Cole family. Father, we've seen so many times that your goodness has allowed us to come through this. Father, for those of us who have not been affected by this disease, Father, continue to protect us, Father. Continue to bless us, Father, so that we can show the world, Father, that you protect your children. And that all they have to do is accept the provision, and that is your son, Yeshua HaMashiach, make them go from the being of creation to your child, Father. And as always, Father, we should give you all the honor, all the praise, and all the glory. In Yeshua's mighty name, and all God's people say, Amen, 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 Amen. amen. Now it's the time when we get to show our obedience. And that's all it is. It's about obedience. We talked about it this morning, Father. We don't, God does not need our money. He just wants to see our obedience. So right now, as we ask, remember the people in Haiti, give a donation to them, that we might show love. Remember your time, and remember your offer.
mission for us, and that was to bring forth an offering to these people, Father. So allow us to fulfill this and bless them that they know that they're loved, Father. That other people are thinking about them. And Father, as we do this, we know that if we show brotherly love towards other people, you're going to show us love, Father, because it's reciprocated. We show love, we get love. So right now, Father, bless the Lord. Bless the man of God who's doing to bring forth the word, Father. And as always, it is in Shua HaMashiach, my name. All God's people say, Amen. Amen. Amen.
the inclination to come and tell you today that time is winding down. And all of these things we see happening in society, they have always been happening. But there were time spans in between each major occurrence. And just using storms, for example, even in our lifetime, I'm more than five and a half decades old now, and uh, in these last uh, 10 years of my life, uh, actually going back to 2005 with Katrina. Before Katrina, I don't remember a devastating hurricane. I, I don't remember having to evacuate, although I will admit for 12 years I was going to the United States Army, and I don't know if there was evacuations doing that time, but I want to show that these uh, occurrences are happening now all together, uh, simultaneously almost, like one right behind another. We're having uh, worldwide or, or nationwide catastrophes happening. Uh, we're dealing with storms that uh, they're blaming on global warming. We look at the fires uh, ravishing California, they're blaming that on global warming. And uh, we had that ice storm uh, at the end of winter, and they blame that on global warming. And uh, all, maybe global warming has to do with human beings going crazy and losing our minds as well to where all we want to do now is just own guns and just shoot each other. Guns were actually meant to protect us against criminals, hallelujah. And, and the Second Amendment in the uh, uh, Constitution uh, it actually uh, helps us against uh, government, when the government tries. That's what the Second Amendment is for. The Second Amendment, actually, uh, the right to bear arms has to do with the government that tries to overtake the people. So each individual has the right to bear arms. So we want to be able to understand that in our uh, Bill of Rights and, and our Constitution here in America, that there are things put in place that really uh, didn't have nothing to do with what we deal with every day with criminals. But what I'm finding out about the Second Amendment and gun laws is that most people are actually shooting people that they know. Guns are really not even being used against criminals. Guns are being used against family members. Those that report it with all day long and then at night have an argument and kill each other. Very seldom are guns used on intruders. So we're living in a, a time where things are just happening one behind another. Homes are breaking up in grand number. Divorce is at an all-time high. And we see that uh, children are becoming disruptive and uh, 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 disobedient to where they don't want to listen to parents. And all of these things are happening. And I want to use as my scripture text today to, to show you, uh, kind of show you what's going on. I want to use uh, Revelations. Amen. And I want to start at, uh, my scripture reading is actually Revelations chapter 6. And I want us to look uh, at verse 10. Revelations chapter 6 and verse 10. And, and keep in mind uh, the subject matter, heaven is only arising. And subtitle, I'm waiting on my white robe. The Bible says in Revelations chapter 6 
verse 10, it says, they shouted. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. They shouted to the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood for what they have done to us? How long, they asked the question, how long is it to where it seems as though those who are unbelievers, those who are disobedient, are going to be in charge of the world, Lord. How long will it be before we are avenged by those who have crippled us, those who have damaged society? How long, God, are you going to stand? It's just like the, the psalmist wrote in the Psalm 73. He says, it seems as though I almost lost my footing looking at the prosperity of the wicked. Yeah, the psalmist said in Psalm 73, it seems as though they stuff never break down. It seems as though they never sick. They never have to go to the hospital or to the doctor. But I'm glad he got to that last part where he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Because God will remind us that God is a vindicator. Amen. That God will vindicate his righteous people. But just like these people in Revelation chapter 6, and I'm going to set the story up for you in a minute. We have to hold on, hallelujah, for just a little while longer. Amen. So I want to start the explanation off in Revelation chapter 5. And we understand that in Revelation chapter 1, there's the introductory. Where he says that this is the revelation of Jesus Christ who gave him, John, the revelation. John admits that he's the writer in the introduction. We see that uh, in the introduction to the book of Revelations, he uses this term, and I love this. He says that this prophecy shall be read by all those who believe. And we run across so many people who feel as though they don't want to deal with Revelations, call it a scary book. But that's only because it's written symbolically. But the Bible says of itself, verse 3 of Revelation chapter 1, God blesses the one who reads the word of this prophecy to the church. And he blesses all who listen to his message and obey what it says, for the time is near. I'm going to read Revelation chapter 1, verse 3 again. God blesses those of us who read this word of this prophecy that was given to the church. And he will bless the listeners of this message who obey the message because the time is near. You see, this whole thing about our Christian life church is about obedience. And we understand that in chapter 2 and 3, we have the letters to the seven churches. And we look at uh, these messages to the churches, and I was taught that you must find your church on this list. The first church, the church of Ephesus, which is titled the Loyal Church. The next church is the message to the church at Smyrna, which is identified as the Suffering Church. The next message is the message to the church at Pergamum, which is called the Compromising Church. The message to the church of Thyatira, which is called the Tolerant Church. The message to the church at Sardis, which is called the Dead Church. And then we have the message to the church of Philadelphia, 
which is called the weak but obedient church. And lastly, but definitely not least, we have the message to the church of Laodicea, which is called the lukewarm and the uncommitted church. Before we move on, I want to give you an opportunity to find which one of these churches fit you, fit your church. Hallelujah. Then we see in chapter 4, the uh, revelation, the vision of heaven takes place. He begins to show him uh, heaven. But I want to start explaining in this fifth chapter. In this fifth chapter, John says that he saw the scroll in the right hand of the one that was sitting on the throne. And he says that there was no one found in heaven. There was no one found on earth or even beneath the earth that was worthy to open the scroll. So John says that he begins to weep bitterly. But the angel told him, he says, don't cry any longer. Stop weeping, he says, because look, there comes the line of the tribe of Judah, the heir of David's throne. And he has won the victory. I want you to know today the Lamb of God has defeated the enemy. He defeated him on the cross when he said, tell us, stop. It is finished. And as John looked at the Lamb, in that sixth verse of chapter 5, he says, Then I saw the lamb that looked like he had been slaughtered. Hallelujah. The lamb had been devoured, and we understand, even from Revelations, we see that in Revelations chapter 3, God promised that we would be victorious. He says that the serpent and the lamb, uh, the, the devil and the lamb would have a fight. And Jesus would kick the devil in the head so hard that he would bruise his head, but he would also bruises here. Those are prophecies of the war going on. So now the angel begins to open the seals of the scroll because the lamb is worthy to open the seals. And we get into the sixth chapter. And he says in the sixth chapter, as I watched the lamb break open the first seal on the scroll. Now I want to put some imagery in your mind because some uh, of our versions of the Bible says the book. But I want to keep it in context because it was actually written on the scroll. And if you know, the scroll is a long canister that's rolled up with the two handles on each end where they're carried. And if you ever looked at some uh, pictures or, or any uh, studies on the welling wall where they keep some of the scrolls, you'll notice that the scrolls are actually huge. They're not as small where you can carry them in one hand. The, whole, the scrolls are pretty big. And on the scrolls, on this scroll specifically, there is seven seals. One, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. And nobody was worried except the Lamb of God. And now the Lamb of God is breaking open the first seal. And he says he heard one of the four living creatures say with a loud thunder, Come! He says, I looked and there was a white horse. And the rider on the white horse 
carried a bow, and a crown was placed on his head, and he rode out to win in battles and gain victory. When the lamb broke and opened the second seal, he said, I heard a voice, and I saw another horse, and it was red. And the rider of it had a mighty sword, and he had authority to take peace away from the earth. The seals are being opened, y'all. This is not just a lesson that God has given me. God has placed it in my heart in such a way, and I hope I do a proficient job to show you that the historical account of the seals being opened. And the rider was given a mighty sword to take peace from the earth. And how many of you can agree right now that there is no peace on earth? And there was war, and he slaughtered and slaughtered everywhere. Verse 5, he says, when the lamb broke open the third seal, I heard him say, come. He says, and I look up and I saw a black horse, and the rider had a pair of scales in his hand. We have unbalanced scales these days. It seems as though, to me, that when times are hard, we're dealing with a pandemic, we're dealing with racial divide, we're dealing with gun laws, we're dealing with politicians acting childish. There's storms ravishing the place. And it seems as though people would be compassionate and lower the prices so it wouldn't be such a struggle on people. But what's happening in this society is we use an unbalanced scale. They're increasing the prices of everything. It's not costing them no more money to make the products, but out of greed, out of unbalanced scales, they are now ravishing people, taking advantage of people. And I heard the voice in that sixth verse, he says, I heard the voice of the fourth living being saying, a loaf of wheat and bread and barley will cost a day's pay. And don't waste the olive oil nor the wine. Unbalanced scales. Cheap. Being greedy. The price of gas that went back up. We're living in such a time to where there's no peace on earth in it. The reason there's no peace on earth is because there's no compassion on earth. We're dealing with each other too harshly right now. If there's a situation and a circumstance in your life, listen to me carefully. If there's a situation and a circumstance in your life where you're dealing with someone harshly right now, I'm going to admonish you right now to stop, relinquish that. Let that go. We don't want to, the church alone don't want to be caught up dealing with unbalanced scales. Have forgiveness in your heart. Have compassion in your heart for one another. Don't try to rob somebody. Don't try to uh, 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 take advantage of people. In verse 7 he says, Then the Lamb broke open the fourth seal. And I heard the fourth living uh, creatures say, come. And he saw someone on a pale green horse. And the 
rider's name was Death, and his companion was the grave. These two were given authority on one fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, with famine, with disease, and with wild animals. And we see it happening, but children of God, you have to be able to look at Scripture and compare what's happening in today's society with what was prophesied in Scripture. All of these things that have been talked about in the first, uh, the breaking of the first four seasons have been loosed <coughs> in this earth. But then we get to the ninth verse. He says, when the Lamb broke open the fifth seal, first thing we notice that he wasn't introduced into it by one of the living creatures. This vision, he recognized on his own. And the souls of all who had been mortal for the word of God, for being faithful to their testimony. Don't fret, don't get scared, don't start shaking in your boots, don't start quivering, but we got to stand on the word of God. We're living in tumultuous times, as Peter said, we're living in perplexing times. And we as Christians, as God's people, we have to stand firm on the word. Yes, we're going to be persecuted. Even here, he says that we're going to be mourned. Let's keep on reading. He says that, uh, verse 10, they shouted to the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and to avenge our blood for what they have done to us? Verse 11 says, then a white robe was handed to everybody. I'm waiting on my white robe. But let me show you something that the church is deficient at teaching you that it's going to take for you to get a white robe. And they were told to rest just for a little while longer until the full number of their brothers and sisters, their fellow servants of Jesus, who are to be martyred, will join them. Now, when we break open the time period where we break open the fifth seal, it's not actually this time where the saints of God have been found now under the altar, or in other words, sitting at Jesus' feet. And I love that the writer says of Revelations, he says that he saw the souls of those who had been born under the altar. But it brings me back to the remembrance of Abel's blood. The Bible says that it wasn't Abel from the grave calling out to God to avenge. The Bible says that it was his blood that spoke out. And the Bible teaches us over and over that life is in the blood of humanity. When the heart stops beating, that's when they say you need. When the lungs stop oxygenating your blood, that's when you are technically need. For those who have been martyred for the gospel of Christ. So this time period of the fifth seal was actually open during the Roman government, the, the, the Roman takeover of society. And I don't know if you remember, but just for clarity purposes, we have to understand that Alexander the Great started that form of government called Hellenization. And Hellenization was a cruel form of government 
that if you did not do what the Hellenizer asked, you were persecuted, put in prison, and even killed. And they were killed in such atrocious ways. How many of you remember that it was the normal Roman way to hang people on a rugged cross? It wasn't just Christ and those uh, uh, two thieves that they had hung on an old Roman cross. It was a way to humiliate people that the Romans would line up the highways with crosses and they would hang people there so your family, everybody would ride by and see you naked in your, in your uh, would be embarrassing for you. It would be humiliating is the word I'm looking for. It would be a humiliating form of death. I mean, if you also remember that the Roman way to kill people was to wrap them up in animal, bloody animal skin and throw them into the lions in the Colosseum. And people would stand as we stand at football games and, and cheer. And people would stand and cheer because someone was being mauled by lions. The Romans were brutal in their form of punishment. Their battle gear with the helmet and the breastplate and the, the first time leather shield and the sword. The Romans were brutal in their battle. And they were martyring God's people. And you get the definition, you get to be called a martyr because you specifically died because of your continual preaching of the gospel according to Jesus Christ, the evil and Gideon. This is how we get the term martyr. This is how we obtain a white robe. And I'm waiting on my white robe. I don't want to shun my white robe. I want to obtain my white robe and I understand the way that I get a white robe is I continue to preach God's word. I continue to build and to stand on God's word. Letting people know that yes, God sent his son into the world. That whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It doesn't matter about our proclivities and our predilections. We have to accept Jesus as the provision that God provided to cover our sin. And I'll preach that from the rooftop. I'm going to preach it to the day that I die. Because I want to get my long white robe. And the only way to obtain that white robe is to be martyred for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Think about all the things that's going on in this earth. I would, rather, I would rather follow God than to follow the destructive ways of this world. I would rather follow God because God can be trusted. You see, the world changes every time a world leader steps on the stage. In America, for us, is our president. Over the last four years, we saw our country change in ways we've never seen before. So I don't want to follow the president. I'm not interested, honestly, in what the governor said. The governor's uh, mouth has no efficacy in my life. I know what to do to keep myself protected. I know what to do to live a godly life. I know what to do to stand on God's word. It does not matter to me about what the president and the governor say. God has given me a mission, and that mission is to lift up the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even, yes, in these last and evil days. Lift up Jesus. Lift the Savior up. Because he's worthy to be praised. 
Everything that we do, everything we say, everything we think, it should be predicated upon our love and our anticipation of his second coming. So yes, church, be prepared to stand up and be born. The Bible says that Christ didn't even count his life. He did not shrink. He did not shrink from the possibility of his uh, resurrection. I'm sorry, of his crucifixion. Jesus did not run from that. Although he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Bible says that he cried drops of tears like blood. And he really wanted to give it up. He says, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass by me. But he said, God, not my will, but thy will be done. And I come before you today saying the same thing. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Heaven is right on the horizon, church. All we got to do is hold on just a little while longer. Because those who are under the altar at that time were those that roamed Mark and kill. But when he says that we have to hold on until our other brothers and sisters come who are to be mortal, that's us. He's talking about our generation now. God is holding everything back. As Paul said in Romans 11 25, until the last Gentile come in. God is holding everything back. Don't you know that 75% water can overtake 25% land any day? But God in his mighty hand is holding everything back. God is holding back the devastation. God is holding back the destruction. This is not judgment that we're going through right now. This is war, the coronavirus, all of this racial divide, all of this hatred that we're going through. This is God stepping back more than us, y'all. God is not in the judgment yet. When you read Revelations chapter 14 around that 10th verse, when God's judgment comes, hallelujah, the Bible says, uh, when God's judgment comes, he says that we are going to drink from the wine of God's anger. And it has been poured out full strength. The King James says, without mix. Ain't going to be no mixed drinks, baby. Ain't going to be no Coke and no ice. You're going to have to take it straight up. In other words, what God is saying here is that when Jesus comes and begins to uh, uh, destroy all things, that before all things are made new, he says that he's coming with wrath against all disobedience, against all unrighteousness. Deacon talked this morning about the fire brimstone message that we used to hear all the time as children. Well, I'm under the persuasion that we need to hear it again. Because Jesus is coming. But we read before Jesus comes and restores all things to brand new is that God's wrath is coming. And in this uh, 14th chapter, in this 10th verse, he says that it's coming without mix. It's not going to be mixed with grace and mercy, y'all. Yes, he's still going to love us. But it's not going to be mixed with no grace and mercy. So I admonish you that you come to Christ right now. While the door is still open. Come to Christ right now. While the light is still shining. Come to Christ right now. While Jesus is still available. Come to Christ right now. Because today is the day of salvation. Come 
outstretched arm, even to a stiff neck and an arrogant people. Come to Christ right now while you still have a chance. Don't be like the people in Noah's day. They watched Noah build on that boat in his front yard for over a hundred years. And they talked about him, they ridiculed him, they downcast him, they said he was crazy because he was building a boat on dry land and didn't have a tundra to pull it to the edge of the seashore. But Noah was faithful to God. Hallelujah. And the people in Noah's days, the Bible tells us that they were living life as usual. In the Gospels it says that they were being married and given in marriage. That they were eating and drinking and having parties until the day that the rain came. But the day that it finally began to rain from the sky, because the water had been, the, the, the earth had been watered from the midst of the ground. But the first day that it began to rain from the sky, can't you see now all the people running to the boat? But Noah, with his loving, kind self, he was going to let folk on the boat. But the Bible says that an angel of the Lord closed the door on the ark. Don't you be like the people in Noah's day. Don't wait too late. Accept Jesus as your Savior right now. It's free. It's the free gift of God. Come to Christ right now. You don't have to straighten yourself out first. I heard too many people say, well, I got to get right first before I come. I don't want to come to church playing. Baby, you may as well come playing because you're going to play all the way through anyway. Because our hearts are all above all things. Our hearts are wicked and deceitful and beyond repair. You ain't going to never get yourself together enough to come stand before a holy God. The only way that we get to come stand before a holy God is that we would accept Jesus, the propitiation for our sins. So come today, children. Don't wait any longer. We have people that have contracted coronavirus. And when you contract coronavirus, you walk around scared. But I'm glad that all those who contracted coronavirus from self-rest, that you were sure and very sure that God says, I am the God who heals you. Because we teach it here at self-rest. You might, it, it's not a problem to get sick. It's okay to get sick. But God, through the stripes of Jesus, has promised healing for all of us who get sick. So even if you contract that disease, you still don't have to worry. Because God said he's the God who heals us. Come on into the family of God today. Come on into the church today. Hallelujah. Don't wait. Don't procrastinate. Don't vacillate. Come on in right now into the family of God. Make God the author and finisher of your faith. Make Jesus your propitiation for your sins. When we do that, church, we can fill with the promise of the Holy Ghost. And we can't do any of this without his power. So we see God is waiting. Watched as the lamb opened the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, 
the sun became as dark as black cloth, and the moon became as red as blue. Then the stars of the sky fell to the earth like green figs falling from the shaken fig tree by a strong wind. And the sky was rolled up like a scroll. And all of the mountains and the islands were moved from their place. Then everyone, the kings of the earth, the rulers of the earth, the powerful generals, the wealthy, the powerful people of the earth, every slave and every free person hid themselves in caves and among the rocks in the mountains. And they cried to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the, for the great day of their wrath has come. And who's going to be able to survive? i tell you who's going to be able to survive. Those of us that have accepted Christ as our Savior. We won't have to hide in caves and in mountains and in rocks. Because we know that we have salvation. We know that through Jesus we have eternal life. So don't wait too long, church. Encourage your family today to get saved. Encourage your family today to join church. Encourage your family today to live like Jesus. Encourage your family today to walk through the power of the Holy Spirit. And God has promised us that we'll receive a long white road. You know the song. It says, I'm going to lay down my birds down by the riverside. But I love that he says that I'm going to put on my long right road down by the riverside. So we have to be able to lean and depend on Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. May God bless you. May God keep you. It's our hope and our prayer. Look at what's going on in the world today. You gotta ask yourself, am I part of the problem or am I part of the solution? But the church has done us a disservice in teaching us this good and good feeling. Because those of us that actually stand for Christ until the end, yes, heaven will be our eternal home, but the world is gonna try to kill you. The Bible says in John 10 and 10, the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. But I love part B of that verse. Jesus says, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Choose life today. In the Old Testament, he says, I place before you life and death. And he didn't even leave it up to us. He said, choose life. Choose God today. Not only is he willing, he is able to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. May God bless you and keep you. There may be one. You've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, as the partner of your sin. Not your partner in sin, but the partner of your sin. In this gift of salvation is free, y'all. So don't go and try to clean yourself up. Don't
Don't even call yourself trying to get right with God. To get right with God says that we accept Christ. That's getting right enough. Accept Jesus. When we accept Jesus, we receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. And once we have the Holy Spirit, part of God living within us, now our minds will become changed. The way we think. This is why Paul was saying, I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. No longer being thinking like this world, but having our minds changed to think like Christ. God, we thank you. We bless you. We open the door for those who need to accept Christ. Let's open the doors for those who need to rededicate. We decided to close the church back down when the Delta variant began to spike. And I am aware that not being able to come to the physical building to be able to fellowship with one another, sometimes we begin to drift away. And if that's you today, if you're drifting away today, we also want to invite you to come on back to God. The promise is, is that we would draw nigh unto him. He would draw nigh unto us. So we want to give you an opportunity to ask God for forgiveness that he would forgive you of your sin, and that he would accept you back into the family, which he never kicked you out, you left. So if that's you today, be honest. If you drifted away from God, I'm not talking about the problems we have in our life. That's not what I'm talking about. All of us got that. All of us have a sharp part, falling short for the glory of God. But I'm talking about those of us who drifted away from God by not even signing on to Facebook. You don't even have time. You're just drifting away. You're not reading your Bible. Matter of fact, you don't even know where your Bible is. You haven't picked up your Bible all week. You're drifting away. Come on back to God. Confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead on that third day. The promise is we shall be saved.